the sun sets free is free indeed. Not just free of sin, but so touched by grace, so transformed that our hearts become grace hearts and we start giving what we've received. That's part of the plan. That's part of the formula. Jesus was the one who taught that if you do not forgive your brother from your heart, then neither will the Father forgive you. Right? Those two things go together. You don't really think about that. Every Sunday during this time of communion, I, I, I sometimes sense myself under a grace shower. You know what I mean? Just, just being washed clean. And that's completely appropriate. That's exactly what the Holy Spirit does when we ask him to forgive us of our sins. That's part of this meal. That's why they call it grace. But most of you probably this morning, even as you took your shower, were far more consciously aware of the inlet than you were of the outlet. I, I usually just ignore the drain. But if you've ever had one of those shower experiences when the drain didn't work, you know what I mean? You start feeling the goo at the ankles. You know what I'm talking about? And you... It's cold, too. It gets it's, cold. Yeah, it's, it's not good, right? We forget that there is necessarily an outlet for that inlet, that as God cleanses us, he gives us clean hearts that we might be those who bless, forgive others, even as we have been forgiven. Life is not only having the inlet, it's being the outlet for, for that kind of grace. Sometimes we just want the inlet without the outlet. We want God to forgive us, but we want to hold our grudges. Reminds me of this guy that I, that I read about this week in New York City in 1882, Joseph Richardson owned a piece of New York City that was six feet wide and 100 feet long. And right next to him was built a, a high-rise apartment complex, four or five stories high. And when that was under construction, the builder of the apartment complex came to him, and he thought, good, I'm going to be able to cash out on this little bit of land that I've got, right? So he makes them an insultingly below-the-market offer for his little sliver of land, as if it didn't really even matter that he was doing him a favor, and he got offended. He wanted at least $5,000 for the property. The guy said he'd only give him 1000 and the feud was on. And so what ended up happening was the guy went ahead and built his apartment complex, left the six-foot swat, six feet wide, 100 feet long, basically an alleyway, and this guy was so determined that he was going to spoil that man's victory that he decided to build a house in the view of his apartment complex. He built a house that was five feet wide, 100 feet long, and four stories high. Just high enough to block the view out of the windows of every one of his apartment complexes. There were two apartments on each side of this 100-foot-long hall, basically, four stories up. He couldn't get enough people to actually move into that kind of ridiculous arrangement, so he ended up moving his wife into the building himself. For a period of time, there was a, a, a newspaper reporter that actually rented one of the apartments, but in that apartment, he got depressed, and he started overeating, and he gained weight, and he actually got stuck going down the stairwell trying to get out one day. 
and they had to come and rip his clothes off of his body to get him out of the apartment, and he never went back. Imagine his spite was such that he imprisoned his own wife in those conditions for 17 years until he died. Whom the sun sets free. They called it Spite House. In the early 1900s, it was demolished. But I noticed it's not the only one in town. They demolished it in the early 1900s, but I could have thought specifically I was in that place just a couple of weeks ago. Maybe you've been in that house too. It's narrow halls, dining table, 18 inches wide. Your whole life has to contort and shift in order to hang on to that spite, that vengeance poisons your own soil, soul and poisons the place that you live and the people that you live with and the people who live around you. God says, let me wash you clean. Not just so clean that you're free, but clean that you're one who sets others free because of your own freedom. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, Jesus took bread And he gave thanks to you, our Father, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, Jesus took the cup. And he gave thanks to you, our Father, and he gave it to his disciples. And he said, Take and drink from this, all of you, for this is the cup of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. For many yours and for others. Grace enough for you and grace enough to share. Lord God, we pray that you pour out your Holy Spirit on these gifts of juice and bread. Make them be for us what they signify, a partaking of your grace, your Holy Spirit, working within us, forgiving us of our sins, setting us free, that we might be those who are free to set others free. We ask it in the name of your Son who is worthy of it all, in Jesus' holy name. We pray as he taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.